Jimmy. Who are you going to fight against when this balloon of yours goes up? Forces of anarchy. Wreckers of law and order. See? Communists, Maoists, Trotskyists, Neo-Trotskyists, Crypto-Trotskyists, Union leaders, Communist Union leaders. See? Atheists, agnostics, long-haired weirdos, short-haired weirdos, vandals, hooligans. The government hug the government love. The government hug the government love. The government hug the government love. Hello everyone, this is Patrick. Today on the podcast we will be speaking to my friend and colleague from Nottingham Trent University, Dr. Andreas Vittel. Andreas is a lecturer in media and communications and will be talking with us about a variety of topics relating to politics and technology. Anyone who's interested in the challenges and problems that technology poses to humans will find this interesting. Andreas talks about media, technology, anarchism, automation, the idea of a basic income, the nature of work and labour, and what does it mean to be emancipated. Do listen on. Welcome, Andres. Um, so, the thing I'd like to start with, uh, to begin with is your background. So, you you studied in uh, Bochum, is that right? No, no. You worked in Tübingen. No, I studied in Tübingen. And you worked in Bochum. I worked in Bochum, yeah. Yeah, and you worked in uh, sort of you, stu- you were studying industrial relations, is that right? Yeah. Well, no, I no no no. I studied pretty much something like cult- cultural studies in yeah. Tübingen, which was you know very much influenced by. The British, you know, centre, Stuart Hall. And, so the know. Birmingham School, yeah. Yeah, the yeah. Birmingham School, that's what I mean, not the British. But a new thing when I went to Goldsmiths. Right, yeah, um, so you ended, that's when you ended up first in the UK, right? Yes. I ended up as a researcher in Goldsmiths. Um, that must have been, I mean, Goldsmiths is quite a sort of, uh, it's got a reputation for being sort of, you know, very sort of innovative and experimental and sort of quite left wing. Is that true? Yes, it is true. And, and, uh, the, the great thing about Goldsmiths is, is um, probably that it's situated in London and that there is a, you know, for someone that kind of comes from Germany, you, you sort of kind of immediately feel part of it. You're, you're sort of part of a system where everybody kind of comes in, goes out, and there is always kind of, you know, transition. Yeah. There was all people that kind of don't get stuck. So um, people were kind of, you know, interested in me, what are you doing? And, you know, and let's have a chat. And That didn't happen in Germany, from, no? <laughs> in Germany, it did. It didn't kind of happen and later so much in Nottingham anymore. You know, yeah. let's have a pint and, you know, meet yeah. up. And uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was, a, it was very interesting because I, I got, I met many people and, you know, it was always about exchanging ideas mm-hmm. and, um, was great, yeah. Well, that's kind I of, the Lord. I guess that's what sort of drives your research. I mean, one of the <clears> things <throat> you focus on is, and what, like, what this whole thing I'm doing, this whole podcast is about, is trying to think up new ways of being together because everything's become so much more fragmented in modern world, especially in relation to what you were talking about in terms of technology. So, I mean, one of the things uh, you, you, you research is, um, well, you look at a variety of things. You look at sort of you come out of sort of the Marxist tradition, you look at uh, what you call the digital commons, which I presume means uh, software commons, information commons, art commons, entertainment, and I guess ideas of sharing um, or new forms of sharing. So could you maybe um, uh, sort of summarize that a little bit? Is that, is that, is that accurate uh, appraisal of what you do or where your research has gone? Yes, very much so. I mean, um, first it was all about, you know, I, I did study 
the emergence of the new media sector in London. Mm. Um, and again, did lots of kind of... So when would, sorry, Andres, when would this have been, like in the early 2000s? That was, that was 98, between 98 and... No. Yes, 98 and 2000. So just before the cusp of sort of the internet revolution, I guess. Yes. Or when the internet became... Yes. Really ubiquitous. Yeah. It was already it was already big then and yeah. everybody um it was all about creatives meeting people with money and everybody was thinking about, you know, what's the next big thing and um and that's the kind of yeah. thing that I studied, these kind of network this frenetic networking among creatives and business people to produce something new. So do you think then, right, in this transition to the sort of the digital information age there is a sense that we can kind of create some kind of, I don't know, common common life or common sense of belonging or sort of sense of universalism. Because, I mean, when I think of the internet, like I think of Twitter and everybody just shouting at each other, you know? Yes. Yeah. Is there another alternative? There is, this is, this is, this is, that's why it's called, why it's called um, Twitter. That's right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's a, I think it's a brilliant name in yeah. terms of, you know, uh, for those ones that, you know, are looking for a critique because, you know, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the, by, why, I, I think because I kind of come from this anthropological tradition, um, I got a little bit annoyed with the fact that um, sharing suddenly became this new verb that everybody was embracing, you know. Right. Now we're kind of all sharing things. It sounded great, but I thought, hey, you know, this is just, uh, if people share an apple, you know, yeah. there is a little bit of sacrifice in it. You know, you give half of the apple away. Yeah. It's the same with a house, with space, you know. with it. If you share emotions or, or ideas, you 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 still sort of kind of give something away that is meaningful whereas if you're share, sharing on facebook so if you share a picture of yourself eating an apple on facebook it's a different type of uh, consumption i guess well it's not i would say i wouldn't call it sharing i would just kind of call it dissemination right okay so, um, so what is that that you think it's a false form of sharing i guess yeah i think i think it's a it's a it's it's strange how the kind of term sharing gets used for it it didn't it didn't start with Facebook. It basically mm. starts with a kind of multiplication of, of, of files, so that you know you had, um, um, let's say you had a file of of um, of a song, and you wanted to kind of you know share that song with others. It right. was easy. So, so, so the file, yes, the yeah. file still stayed on your computer, but then went to kind of other computers as well, and you know, and that sort of kind of with everything, all these kind of files that can endlessly be multiplied. It's been it's called sharing, mm -hmm. and and in a way it is because, or it could be, but you know, quite often you share with people you don't even know anymore. Right. But you know, it's a form of sharing that is not the same sharing that is about material stuff, which always is much more personal thing and yeah. um, is really about, you know, giving something away and, and where, where something gets reduced. Yeah. And with the digital stuff, things just get multiplied, but nobody notices it. If you, you, you share it and it's, it's still there. So do you think then that there is a, a space for a positive form of actual, you know, real material sharing between people? On in the digital world, is is that is that yes, possible? Yes, of course. I mean, mm. there is there, there is lots, and I think this is this is uh, what the digital commons is all about. Uh, people could share; they could they not just kind of share 
files, but you know, they, there were absolutely new ways to collaborate. And that was something that I thought is fantastic. You know, you could never collaborate with people you kind of didn't know um, before, with many, yeah. that's all possible now. Uh, so um, that opens up very new possibilities. And, and what always has kind of fascinated me about the commons is that it's, it has to be built, the digital commons, I mean. The digital commons has to be built, but whatever is there can then be used by everyone. So there is no scarcity anymore. The idea of scarcity is gone. If you have a commons of a piece of land, yeah. and you know the, the uh, uh, Garrett hardened critique of the tragedy of commons, which is all about people are too egoistic, ultimately they will um, go for their own advantages, which means if five shepherds um, share a piece of land, one of them will ultimately kind of try to get more sheep on the land that is good for the commons mm -hmm. and eventually will ruin it because of selfish, selfish interests. Mm -hmm. That has never been true, as Eleanor Ostrom has um, argued. But in the digital commons, you don't have that problem anymore. In the digital commons, there is no, it's endless. The only problem that you have is that people have to be interested in collaborating to make it. Uh, and so can I ask then in terms mm. of I guess it's a question of ownership then I mean always which is the question for building something sort of universal or common is a question of ownership when we think of the internet now it's almost becoming synonymous, synonymous with sort of massive multinational corporations you know the Facebooks of the world the Googles the PayPal's whatever and in that sense then it's it's really I mean there is a sense that like a company like Google owns the internet, you know, yes. it's your sort of your it's your gateway to the internet, even yes. though it doesn't necessarily have to be obviously, but it is, you know. Absolutely. So, I guess then, is the is that in terms of that tension between those who own the internet and the sort of space that you're talking about, this common space, which is you know, I guess potentially infinite, you know, in terms of what one can do for it. How who, well, how does how does one over 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 sorry, how does one over overturn the, uh, that sort of dissymmetry on the internet. Where does that interest come from? Where does that collaborative passion come from? I think that's a really complicated question because the the ownership of Google and Facebook really refers mainly to the platforms that they provide, the tools that they provide that are, that are for free to kind of get people on the platforms, and then. Um, they ultimately all they, they own our data with which they kind of make all their money. So, um, but that's not really the comments that I refer mm. to. That's not people could start a comments on Facebook, but I think it would be complicated um, mm. to do that. But examples are around Wikipedia. Everybody kind of co can contribute. Um, people do, that are interested in Wikipedia they donate. So it's neither the state. That has set up Wikipedia, nor it's the market because there is no advertising okay. on the website. It runs, it's successful because people think it's valuable and they give money to make it work. Wikipedia doesn't need many employees, it's got about 20 or 30, mm -hmm. or had a few years ago, maybe it's a few, few more now. Um, but it's all based on voluntary labor, on free labor, if you want so. However, 
the labor is not really free because those ones that contribute and this is the I think uh, it's a big debate and I think it's a big mistake that people make when when they argue against the free labor in in you know for that people give away um, if somebody writes about topic let's call it you know mod modernity yeah globalization whatever these kind of you know whatever these entries would be um, these would be people that do that that write about that stuff professionally anyway it means it's academics it's us so all we need to do really is put our work then on Wikipedia of course in the kind of new form but it's not like mm -hmm. totally new work you know so we can do that and we get paid for what we're doing so I don't think there is and and this is where the problem is so if if, if people assume that the digital commons can just be built with the enthusiasm of everybody that just kind of wants it to happen because you could really change the world you wouldn't need the market anymore but you 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 but of course Monsanto has different ideas mm. Monsanto will not whatever they um, know uh, about plants, about seeds, they will not give that away. They will keep this intellectual because, property. So because it can, they can derive yes. a profit from that knowledge. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So um, there is a, there are other problems, if I may say so. Go. Um, yeah. Sure. Um, if you're a writer, if you're a, if you write novels, and you, and you're only way to kind of you know live off that is that kind of other people buy your book then it's also impossible for you to um, put your book on the internet and give it away for free you can't you cannot do that it only works if people get paid so the tragedy of all this is that it works in the very much in the area of um, knowledge because that's what we are paid for mm -hmm. to produce and it works very much in the area of software because all those ones that do free and open source software and 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 write um, free and open source yeah. code. They also being paid, yeah, in various in various ways, but they're not working for free. So, but it comes to art, it comes to let's say education, which is a totally different labor. You know, this interaction with students. You know, and. It suddenly kind of doesn't work anymore. So you know that's where the kind of problems arise, and then you have kind of all the stuff in intellectual property, and uh, so this dream that the digital commons could really, at some point, just replace everything because every you know all the economy is digital, all industries are digital, agriculture. Absolutely, yeah. You know, yeah. so yeah. I mean, I think we'll 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 probably we'll probably get to that in terms of. Um, I think it was what Martin Ford called. I don't know if you're familiar with his book, *The Rise of the Robots*, but um, you know, sort of automation uh, and the problems that pose. But we'll we'll get to that now. In terms of what you're talking about, one of the things that you're interested in is well, well, two things. You're interested in anarchism as a political theory. Yeah. Uh, you've written on this. You've wrote a really nice article in the Conversation about this and uh, sort of digital activism. So I'll start with anarchism. I mean, so. In your conversation article, you were trying to make a case, if I recall, and correct me if I'm wrong, you're trying to make a case for anarchism, as you said, beyond the narrative of, you know, or the stereotype of anarchism as, you know, being portrayed in the media. Yeah, 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 basically. Okay, so. <laughs> These are the people yeah, throwing stones. Lawless hooligans, chaos, riots, yeah. mobs, and yeah. sort of, you know, useless violence, right? Mm -hmm. How then do you consider anarchism in a positive way? How would you explain that? 
how do you you know how do you frame that as a in a beyond the stereotype a, well i mean uh it's 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 a theory and it's a practice and kind of quite mm. often it's both so um even in the uk you have kind of an little anarchist communities where people live anarchist life which means yes you know they probably have their jobs they kind of bring in money but much which is about you know the way um you know babysitting is organized the way education is organized you know um um uh, all sorts of things you know they 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 produce an anarchist world and um so it is it so, is so you it think it's there it's normal it's yeah. yes it's mm. it's 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 possible and in terms of in terms of theory it's it's um i think it's very close to marx's idea of communism um everyone according according to um his ability each to have his each according to his needs which is which is which is not measuring things which yeah. is much more about brotherhood which is about that's not that's not kind of you know count exactly how much i've done for you you know if I pass you the bottle, that doesn't mean that uh, you have to pass me the jam and and then we quit. You know, then it's then it then it's equal. You don't yeah. you you don't sort of kind of measure it all out. What is it about that that appeals to you? I mean, I mean, in the article you talk about the absence of domination. Is there is there something about anarchism that can sort of provide an alternative way of being? I guess. Oh yeah, I mean, I find it hugely appealing. I think it, it's the most beautiful way of uh, living together. It's the, the idea of mutualism that is very strong, the idea of um, democracy that is not about sort of majority votes, but about a process where you end up with something where you make compromises so that everybody agrees. These are slow processes, um, which is one of the kind of problems. If you, if you do that, you, um, you sort of kind of fall behind in this kind of, you know, world that accelerates kind of all the time but maybe that's a good thing maybe so. well, yeah i mean i suppose it's what i find interesting about what you say is that you see it as you don't see it as the exception you see it as sort of embedded in society as we exist now you know it is an exception yeah. uh, but it's we do, it, yeah. is, it is it's, it's an exception but it is embedded yeah. yes yeah so now, can, could you, so, I mean, there's, yeah, as you said, there's lots of different theories of anarchism. I mean, I suppose, like, I mean, there's, you know, there's sort of social anarchism, there's anarcho-syndicalism, there's free market yeah. an anarchism, you've got this sort of radical Keynesianism going yes. on, you know. Yeah. Um, one of the things what I'd be interested in seeing, what you, what you think about uh, is always with anarchism. I always find a, I don't know, I mean, there's a certain strain of anarchism, I guess, that's always sort of overlaps with conservatism or traditional conservatism, you know. And I, I don't know, you just get the sense that, you know, that we kind of do it for ourselves. We pull ourselves up by the bootstraps. It's not too far away from, you know, we look after ourselves. Now, I, I presume that's not what you think, but I, I mean... Which means ourselves, um, that group, that sort of is part of it. Yeah. What would be the alternative to that? You cannot, you can only sort of kind of, you know, build communities with those ones that want to be part of it. So you can't really then incorporate those ones that don't so um, I don't necessarily see a problem with that the problems that I see is is how to build anarchist structures that can sort of kind of maybe kind of compete with what we have on a national or even on a global level how, how would that work and 
it's very much kind of localized usually, and 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 there there, there isn't there aren't any examples that you know. That right. So that is a problem. That makes it very difficult because so much of the problems, and as we see from all sort of the general elections we've been having, is ill effects of globalization and mm -hmm. things like that, which one would think requires sort of large scale solutions, I guess. Mm -hmm. Whereas anarchism, as you say, is very well sort of embedded in communities and localities and families and groups or whatever, yes. yeah. So how... But you, you, you would need both, you know, yeah. if you think about climate change, um, you do need, you do need structures that are beyond, that go beyond the community, but you also need a lot of action within the community um, and, you know, right. put in the solar panels and, uh, you know, create the wind turbines and, uh, you know, think about kind of everything you can do. So I think it's really both, but these bigger structures, especially when it comes to trade and market, you know, that's that's where it gets really complicated. Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, that's one of the other things you write about then, I think, um, is, is what you, you know, you talk about, you know, you talk about academic activism, uh, you talk about digital activism. Is is is, is maybe that a, a place, you know, digital activism, is that a place where, you know, that anarchist spirit can connect up with, with um, Broader events. I mean, you know. I mean, uh, if you know, if, if activism means, well, you know, sort of direct action, taking sort of strong uh, action to promote and affect political change, social change, environmental change, as you say, is that digital activism something that can supplement? Digital activism is a, is a word that I'm not using. Okay. Um, because there is always a danger that it ends up in some sort of Clicktivism, activism, clicktivism. Oh, it's clicktivism. Yeah, which yeah. means you know you sort of um, you yeah. sign some sort of online petition and basically you've kind of you know done your share and which would be the opposite your, to activism is kind of uh, yes, a form of passivity. I guess. Yes, but the, all the kind of you know all the kind of movements like Black Black Lives Matter, I think they kind of suffer from the fact that too much stuff happens online. So. You know, if you compare that with the civil rights movement in, let's say, the you know 1960s in the in the U.S., where black people um, didn't have a telephone, um, but you know, organized themselves, you know, nationwide um, by traveling, by building communities. That was kind of very time intense. That was, you know, that, that a huge amount of effort went into it. But the advantage was. That it was a process that people got engaged, that people kind of didn't just jump off a day later. Mm. Whereas now, you know, you can immediately set kind of, you know, up a big sort of kind of file digitally, but um, will people kind of be on board the next day? Nobody knows. And um, um, the, the, because the energy of kind of building it doesn't seem to kind of, there is no, I think the kind of connections are much looser. Yeah. Um, so I mean that's I, why I think it's a problem for the movement. But the the what I'm what I what I mean with academic activism mm. is something kind of completely different. It's a sort of observation that at least in the area of media and communication studies, um, we are moving away from let's say something that I would call critique, which is you know let, to give you an example. Of critique would really be the political economy of mass media. 
criticize, you know, providing a critique that is sort of a Marxist critique where um, you use Marx's model of base and superstructure to say, well, they have the means of production, they have the ownership of the means for production, the newspapers, the printing presses, so you the broadcasting channels, yeah. yes, and and they provide the content, we don't owe, and you know, and, and the result is the Daily Mail defines, um, you know, who wins the next um, election. And that was an old, and, and that's a correct analysis, you know, there's nothing wrong with it, mm -hmm. but that was critique, it shouldn't be like that. But there was nothing, there was no um, transformative? Well, there was no, uh, never an idea, we need something else, you know, because it wasn't there. But with with you're digital talk, media... You're about practical change. Yes. Mm. There was no, if you, if, if you look at 1980s, 1990s critique of mass media, nobody could sort of suggest an alternative to that because it just didn't exist. With the new media, with the digital media, with the kind of distributed networks, you can create a, com a news commons. You can, and you know, people do that. And you know, there are numerous examples now of, of, of media that yeah. um, are not sort of kind of the classic ma mass media anymore. But this is not this is not what I mean with 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 the activism. The activism is is, is sort of kind of recognition that not a recognition, but I, uh, is, is, is an attempt to go beyond critique to really change things. So, in the best kind of Marxist tradition of, you know, um, well, improve let's, the world. Let's not, yeah. let's not interpret it anymore. Let's kind of, you know, start changing. So, yeah, improve if, the, you know, yeah. sort of naively improve the material conditions of mankind. Or exactly, mankind, yeah. yeah. Okay, and, and is. And this, this I found really interesting and how, how this suddenly happens. And that has never existed in. In media and communication studies, there was just critique. But now, on all levels, whether it's about new forms of currency, Bitcoin, you know, or um, about you know maybe kind of you know ways of kind of you know thinking beyond, you know, there was all sorts of stuff with intellectual property, with um, setting up alternative platforms, with peer production, mm -hmm. with sort of kind of. The, Digital comments that I mentioned earlier, you know, there is an, an, an there is an amazing attempt to to create something that maybe kind of get us out of this mess. And are you this mess? <laughs> <laughs> so you're pessimistic, Andreas. It was not swearing. It was not swearing. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Have to be careful about that. We might we get an R rating. Yeah, so yeah, mess I mean, is still okay. Yeah. I mean, I look at sort of sort of you know. Well, I mean, always, I guess, and you tell me what you think. I mean, with technology, you get, you get sort of, you know, positive effects and negative effects. You know, my, I suppose my concern is with things like the internet. That, um, and maybe this is just in the air at the moment. I mean, we're in the middle of a general election as we record this. Things like, you know, fake news, trolling, hacking. When the internet gets together collectively, it seems to want to do sort of nefarious things. I mean, I'm not sure if you've heard, but um, you know, there was a story about the French election where uh, a couple of weeks back, um, where uh, I think allegedly Russian hackers tried to hack Emmanuel Macron's campaign. But uh, at the same time, Macron's campaign set up lots of sort of uh, dummy files and things like that to distract the hackers, right? So, I mean. 
in terms of you know, so you see, you, you, you've you've um, resistance and then you have counter resistance, and, and, and that seems to uh, characterize the internet for collective action. I, I guess are you pessimistic then? You know about the internet's capacity for for collective spheres of life or collective uh, understanding of ourselves. I'm not pessimistic about it, but I'm not someone who thinks that the internet um, or that internet technologies. You yeah. know, it depends on how you understand the internet. If you yeah. understand it, you can understand it as a technology. You can also see it as a as a social network. You know, depending because it needs both. Mm. It's people, cables, computers, you know, it's it all. Um, but I'm not a believer that technology in, you know, it's called, um, the sort of word for that is technological solutionism. Wow, I've not heard that before. What does and, that mean? Well, it means, you know, there is a problem. Let's just create an app and uh, right, we, can, okay. um, we can sort it out. Um, and, you know, you, you find that a lot, especially mm -hmm. kind of, you know, people that kind of, you know, know how to program or you know they, they they look at the world and they see problems and they think yeah so I'm very skeptical about any that that technology in itself can do kind of you know anything to I like digital technologies I'm, I'm, I'm not at all against it I don't think um, I don't think we have to kind of you know smash them to create a better world that's not the case but we the hope should not be centered on on the just on these new technologies, just because they are new, the hope, yeah. the only hope really is to, um, you know, create a new conscience that what we have right now is very bad and gets worse and, you know, just kind of produces more and more suffering. And I think this is the, it's about you know traditional forms of organizing. Yeah, I think. Uh, <clears throat> uh, I mean. I think one of the strings, oh, sorry, one of the things that always strikes me about you know new technologies in particular is there, there's always some kind of like naive utopianism attached to them. You know, I mean, I mean, I think even it wasn't so long ago, uh, Tim Berners Lee said this, like you know, I mean, so he's the inventor of well, the World Wide Web, if not necessarily the internet, but he said like you know that you know that the internet is now becoming a bad place. You yes, know? yeah, yeah. It is, it is. It is becoming a bad place. Yeah. The question is, you know, could we, could we have find the capacity to turn this around and uh, establish kind of, you know, more sites like Wikipedia, or where, mm -hmm. where where you could where you could see that it could be a good place. This is the this is the kind of big question that kind of sort of drives me. Right, I can see that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna sort of read something out from your book now, right? Which I mean, we're not all right. So I'll read it out. This is from your book, Digital Transitions, which is a great book, which is in Lambert Academic Publishing. Um, uh, so a very uh, so this is basically typifies, you know, I suppose the nihilistic capacity of internet technologies, right? And I, uh, uh, so a very sad example of the social implications of large scale sharing of effective matters can be found in a story published by the Telegraph in January 2011. A 42-year-old woman in the UK posted a message on her Facebook to her 1,048 friends on Christmas Day announcing that she would commit suicide and that she was just swallowed the pills. Her message was widely discussed on her network and led to 148 responses where her friends discussed the statement and the former breakdown of the woman's relationship, but nobody bothered to call her. 
call the police or go over to her place, even though many of her friends discussed her post, lived very local, so she died. Right? And I mean, that is, I don't know, that just typifies the, 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 the negative side of, of technology, where people move from, you know, a real material event where someone needs uh, aid and alleviation of suffering to, I don't know, sort of some kind of immaterial posturing on the actual web. I mean, does that not make you depressed? <laughs> well, the story is, is very sad and, and uh, it doesn't make me depressed. I think it signifies something. It signifies... What is that? It signifies that we cannot... that it's a big mistake that if we think, oh, now we have social media, <laughs> we do not just have, because, you know, if, if, if you look at our students now, or certainly the ones um, that are teenagers, you know, that in 15, 16, 17, they don't have email anymore. They don't use, they don't need it. They just, they will be on different social media platforms and that's how they communicate. That makes sense. I was just talking to a student yesterday and yeah. they said, they, they reported to me that they are, you know, they, they, they are very uncomfortable with using telephones. Yeah, you know. Mm. So, I think my point is that this woman who had thousands of friends on Facebook made thought that thousands of friends—that's that's that's a really good number. Somebody is going to come and rescue me. Yeah, she must have thought that. Otherwise, she wouldn't have posted it. So, but nobody came, and my, I, I'm I'm hundred percent sure in my heart that had she emailed any of them right and they would have sat on their computers and she and they would have only they would have received it not hundreds of others they would have responded so this is tragedy that the message went out to you know all of her friends and you know whoever was online could read it but there was nothing specific anymore so it wasn't about, you know, this message has not produced any bond. Whereas if you send mm. an email to someone or you call someone, if it's one person, you know, there is a, there is still sort of some sort of kind of bond there, even if, even if it's with email. Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a deeper one than sending stuff out on social media that could be addressed to you, could be addressed to others, you know, mm. you're just kind of, you know, someone. Mm. It's, and, and, and that makes it... Um, that 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 produces social distance, I think, and, and 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 that's the danger. That's the danger that you know it creates distance rather than uh, bonding, rather than you know what everybody wants, you know what or what we should aim for. Okay, so uh, one of the other things, uh, um, you know, one of the other things that you write about, I guess, and I sort of alluded to this already. Um, I think. Uh, well, one of the other things you write about is basic income, right? So, <laughs> yeah. right. So, one of the other things I, I presume that you sort of see this as a, as some type type of necessary long term solution, I guess, due to sort of to changes in technology and in, in labor and the economy and agriculture, education, so on and so on and so on, are basically the rise of automation and the rise of, uh, well, the concomitant rise of unemployment. Yes. Uh, yes. Right. So, I mean, is that is this something that you sort of, you know, 
is this something that you think is that can emerge out of technology? Is this something you think that is, you know, that comes from government? I mean, is this something that is, you know, that can sort of uh, emerge through through the people, you know, say from the bottom up, it's sort of an anarchist spirit. That we get there, so that everybody gets a basic income. Yeah. Or what you call a global basic income? I think. Yes, actually, that's what uh, Andre Gauss did. Um, he called it a global basic income. So I'm just, I was just using his concept. I'm not hundred percent comfortable with the idea of basic mm. income. Um, there was a lot of criticism about it, and there was a lot of justified criticism. And the criticism is that ultimately it just kind of, you know, produces a new form of kind of, you know, impoverishing people financially, mm. um, because you know, they will kind of just be given as much so that they can, you know, so that they can kind of get by, but they can't go in, into the cinema anymore, you know, yeah. that sort of thing. And I think I I can, that there were some alternative models. Some people argue, um, rather than a basic income, we should, we should have a system where the kind of basic needs are covered. People get food for free, they get a place to, to live, they get electricity, they get heating when they need it, Wi-Fi. they get clothes, they, they get Wi-Fi and, you know, sort of these basic needs. And if they have all that, you know, then that's enough, everything. Why I think we need to, we need, we need to think about these things is, is for two reasons. One is, as you said, automation, which is happening. And because we live in this digital world, it's happening on a frightening scale because it can replace anything. It can replace us now as, as ultimate, you know, before that machines replace quite often unskilled labor. This is not happening anymore. Now you, with automation, you get um, innovations in sort of kind of, you know, let's say again, medical diagnostics. That means the whole profession of doctors could be under threat. Mm. Not, of course you will always, medicine is always this kind of, you know, sorting it out, but for a lot of illnesses, you can just kind of ask some questions and then you know what the problem is. So, um, you know, it can, accounting is... is repetitive is, tasks. Yes, any, yes. If, if your job is a repetitive... But even, in, even, even those ones that are not repetitive, you know, that are about um, immaterial labor, that are about creative labor, even those ones are kind of mm. coming under threat. Think about, think about our world. What happens if... Um, um, our management decides that from now on it's good enough to kind of, you know, um, record our lectures and uh, play that back to students and then kind of get cheaper labor in mm. to maybe do a little bit of kind of, you know, group work with them mm. and see if they kind of, you know, get it. <laughs> you know, these, could, these could be I'm new models. Sure, I'm not sure this the consumers would be happy with that. If you think about uh, the demise of newspapers, not in the UK, but look at the United States, look at kind of places like Germany. It's massive. They're all struggling. They're all struggling. So um, it's not only that, that that sort of kind of unskilled labor is being replaced. Everything can be replaced now. And so I think autom automation is, a, is, go is going to be a huge wave that will kind of, you know, produce another you know, ma massive really suffering in the end. And, you know, uh, so we, we, we can have two choices. We can kind of just decide that fewer and fewer people compete against jobs that are getting worse and worse and worse because 
that's what it's all about in the workplace humiliation <laughs> and and um, show someone if you don't want it you know there were kind of fun with others that um, will line up and um, <laughs> there was a, there was a beautiful joke somebody kind of goes to Starbucks um, and wants a coffee and um, somebody else responds do you want um, do you want to be served by someone with a PhD in philosophy or in sociology or in um, you know, yeah. <laughs> biology. Yeah. And I think that's really... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's germane to my profession, yeah, yeah. So, was it, yeah, so we talk about the basic income, right? And so, like... Yeah, I wanted to say, you know, one, one, one uh, reason why I think, you know, it's necessary is that jobs go. Yeah. So, if jobs go and, the, you know, paid labor, we have to kind of think about something. So this is kind of you nobody know, can buy them. Yes, exactly. So this yeah. is this is an obvious this is an obvious argument why we need to kind of change something. Um, and but the other argument is really about you know this could be this could set the digital commons for free if everybody right. has a secure and stable life. Then the writer that writes mm. his or her book and spends five years on it doesn't need to sell it anymore. So, mm. you know, this could free up all sorts of kind of energies. So the digital commons mm. could really grow in an absolutely beautiful way. That's why I, yeah. why I'm sort of kind of playing around with this yeah. idea. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it comes out, I mean, I mean, you see, it's, it, it gets, it's, it's got universal interest across the political spectrum. I mean, yes. you, get it, you get it in like Hayek, for example, yes. it comes out of, <clears throat> what do you write about it? Legislation and Liberty he talks about, uh, you know, uh, well, the idea that a safety net government would provide a safety net, but of course for Hayek it was the idea that you know that that they can spend more and more and more and it'll, it'll drive the economy. Uh, but um, then I guess um, it's what I guess I suppose it's what type of basic income then is it? Is it are you in a situation where you're just given five hundred pounds uh, a month and then you're just uh, told to you know you don't get the NHS, you don't get the fire brigade, you know you don't get mm -hmm. the police. So I mean it's 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 a very interesting phenomenon at the moment. Yes, I mean, I think this is exactly why lots of the people on the left are not actually kind of, you know, are quite uncomfortable with the idea of basic income mm. because it's also embraced by, by the right. And uh, for reasons that, you know, you can sort of see, but you, I think, I think they're all looking towards Finland now because in Finland... They are doing, the pro they're doing a trial, yeah. They're doing a trial. And and Kenya also, I think, yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I think, I think... There will probably be more trials, more countries, you know, in the near future, and uh, it'll it'll be interesting to study that. It is, but I yeah. think I think you cannot. It would be a mistake to say, "Oh yeah, Finland is implementing it, um, so it'll all be cool." I think it needs again a struggle to uh, sort of um, provide a form of basic income that really could, you know, be turned into something that's socially productive. That uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, mean I think already in Finland they are producing reduced stress levels and reduced anxiety levels. Although they're, they're going to need more longitudinal data, yeah. But would you say it's, it's, it's it, I suppose it's almost inevitable if that is something like this would have to be considered if 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 automation is is uh, universal as we see it, yeah. We cannot. We cannot. Uh, have less and less jobs and more and more people competing for it. That isn't isn't a model that will work in the end. Because every I mean, if you think about just let's say the driverless car, mm. yeah, 
What does, what does that do to transport, to taxi drivers? To truck drivers, truck, you know, to 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 there so, so many people, you know, get all types of that. jobs. Yeah, um, they just go, you know, and they just kind of go on pretty much any level, you know. I mean, you can see it now in supermarkets, you know, how quickly you can kind of, you know, less yeah. um, reduce the amount of and 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 it's really in every aspect of life, automation can, apart from you know some. I would say maybe some some those services that are sort of kind of have something to do with the body, you know, the restaurant. Mm. You, you 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 don't want robots uh, bringing your food, you know. Like I I I you you that, can imagine there, are, there that, are examples of it. I think. Yes, there are. There, there probably are. You can you could even have that with with kind of you know sex, but mm. it's that's where I kind of you know see still limits, you know you. So, um, but you know, in many areas, it's a big threat, and and uh, so that's why I really believe that we it's not we it is impossible now to you know keep the system going. I think this is the end game. This is it. Okay. Not necessarily now or next year. Maybe not even in five, but you know, in ten or twenty, it, it it's going to be impossible to sustain. Okay, so um, uh, then, so just to sort of to conclude, I've got sort of two more questions. A general one: Are you, are you, uh, do you, do you have a positive outlook look then against all these challenges? Do you think? Well, overall, I overall I have. I think the system is crumbling, um, but you know that produces a lot of suffering, and uh, so you know it's. There it's I don't have a positive outlook at the moment. You know being in the UK at the moment I think it's uh, it's awful and you know it makes me depressed and it makes me sad and um, you know there was kind of you know a lot of stuff um, where I'm not just kind of angry but you know also kind of disappointed that I feel like you know I've decided this would be my country and suddenly it isn't anymore and it's it feels it's, it's a big loss it's a it's something that has you know really kind of profound but you know, if if you look at the bigger picture, yeah. then I think yes, communism at some point will come. It so has to come. Where do you see the, the shoots of this? Where do you think we can be optimistic about that? Or where do you think you can you can we could be? Optimistic? I think you know, the more suffering we have, the more people will open up. You know, to um, a world where not. Um, 60 more than 60 percent are owned by you know the top one percent of the global wealth that's just not a, a very healthy thing and 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 that of course gets narrower and narrower so you know in in another 10 years we have 70 percent not owned by the top one percent by the maybe by the top 0.1 percent and you know the the inequality is just you know inequality grows massively Debt grows massively. Nobody knows how to produce growth in terms of economic Absolutely, growth. Yeah. All these are, you know, strong indicators, and you know, these are long-term kind of indicators. So um, nobody knows how to how to kind of you know repair that anymore. So that's why I'm optimistic. But you know, ultimately, it's what Marx says: it will be a struggle. It will be a struggle of those ones that want something else against those ones that don't.
Okay. And they, they leave my work be on our side <laughs> with um, <laughs> that struggle. And, you know, and unfortunately, this is, this is sad how, how, how important, you know, how important that is, you know. Uh, it's not just about owing mass media. Arundhati um, Roy, the Indian activist, she wrote a book about capitalism, which is very interesting. She says that inequalities in India are much, much worse than here. And if people go on the street, those ones with the money, they pay for a counter-demonstration that will be much, much bigger. Now, if you have a situation like that, thinking about social change gets really, really difficult. And so, you know, that's just totally depressing, you know, that sort of world. So, um, no, I'm, 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 who, who said that? Um, I think it was Gramsci, the op optimism of the will and the pessimism of the intellect. I think so, yeah, something, something like, like that. Something like that. I think, you know, that's probably, that's, that would probably kind of, you know, be an accurate, you, yeah, yeah I, 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 I would <laughs> sign up to such a description. Thank you for listening to The Well. Our theme tune is Love the Government by Opaka Giraffe and is licensed under Creative Commons. You can follow us on iTunes or your preferred podcast app.